Now back to Fitness Fanatics on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. All right, we are back, joined by Angie Vaza. I'm going to get into her story about climbing up Mount Kilimanjaro. All right, Angie, let's take us to climb day. You fly out there. What kind of were you doing preparation once you got to um, where this mountain is? You don't know anything. Just let her talk. <laughs> All right. She knows the terminology there you go. and everything. All right. right. Here we go. We get to Africa. Then what happens? <laughs> yeah. So I think, uh, you know, it's a, it's 32 hours of travel from Omaha to uh, Moshi, Tanzania. Wow. So there's long layovers. Um, so by the time you get there, you're already feeling a little bit behind the curve. So uh, we built in two extra days um, to get used to just the time difference, the temperature, all of the things that um, would potentially impact us as we set out to climb. And so we had a full day to uh, acclimate. So we did a day excursion, hiked to a waterfall and uh, went through the rainforest, went to a coffee plantation um, and just kind of got used to the environment, um, settled in. And we did a, our first afternoon briefing with our trekking company. Uh, and, you know, they walked us through the itinerary. So we did a, an eight day hike. So you hike up for six days and down for two. Mm. Uh, so we really picked a, a circuitous route so that we had the best chance of success and the longest time to acclimate um, as we went. And so, um, you know, I will say that hiking Kilimanjaro is 90% mental and 10% physical. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be in exceedingly good physical shape um, to be able to hike it because you go fairly slow. Um, but the the mental mindset uh, really makes a huge difference. And so the day before we left was a lot of kind of recentering, you know, remembering why we were doing this, acknowledging that we were going to have moments of, you know, fear and anxiety and pain and all of those things and being ready to just keep going. So I would say that was probably the thing that helped the most was just getting mentally ready. So what is the climate like there? I'm assuming it changes drastically as you're going because people think mm -hmm. Africa and I think most people think that like desert or whatever, but obviously that's not the case. So what's the climate like? Like, you know? Yeah. So we hiked, um, we did the Lamosho route. So we actually hiked through five ecological zones. And so we started out in the rainforest. So it was about 87 degrees and about 80% humidity. Uh, so the, the dew point and the temperature were very close together. So it's like um, the lead forest, like the rainforest yeah. at the It zoo. absolutely is. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, oh, God, yeah. yes. Okay, so there's the phase jungle, one. The jungle, the jungle. Yeah. The lead jungle at the Omaha yes. Zoo. So this right. is phase one. I'm just being Phase relatable. one. Right. Oh, no, I it's know. true. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. It, we, actually, we actually referenced the lead jungle when we were going through. So that's, that's appropriate. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, zone one uh, was the rainforest. And then you go through uh, the, the heather and the moorland zones. So they just get progressively more barren and more cold as you continue to go up. So, um, but the plant life, uh, the flora and the fauna change drastically from each zone. And so um, the first day we were in the rainforest, um, days two and three, we hiked through the next two zones. So we went from kind of, you know, plush, you know, uh, warm, humid temperatures to more arid um, and a little bit cooler. So we started out in shorts and by day three, day four, we were in, you know, a base layer and a stocking cap. Um, so you, you start out at 85 degrees at the base, but the night that we summited, it was negative 15 degrees Celsius. Wow. Um, so it's pretty extreme as far as temperature shift from um, where you start to where you finish. 
Wow. Yeah. I don't think people really think about that when they think of Kilimanjaro. Because when you see the pictures, like the pictures of the summit, it doesn't look like mm-hmm. you're think like you would think Mount Everest would look like. And I think that's what most mm-hmm. people like are used to. Well, I don't see people up there with shorts and a t-shirt on. I know, but just the it's it looks it doesn't look snowy, right? It's not snowy at the top, is it? It is. It is yeah, like all actually, the way. Um, once so once you get past um, Stella Point, which is about an hour below Uhuru Peak, which is the the highest peak, mm-hmm. uh, you actually pass by a glacier. Uh, so there is there are there is snow. Depending on what time of year you go, there's okay. more or less. Mm-hmm. We did not have to wear crampons or um, hike through like deep snow, but we did hike through um, ice and like there were some waterfalls that froze. So there were some, you know, slippery rocks and things along the way. So, yeah, I didn't I did not know that there were glaciers on the way up until Mm. I read through the full itinerary. So uh, you're right. There's a misconception about how cold it's really going to be. Yeah, I I assumed it was going to be cold, but I didn't think it was going to be that cold up there. Mm -hmm. So how did your body handle because uh, Lance Farrell's done, he's climbed up Mount mm-hmm. Kilimanjaro too. So mm-hmm. when we had him on for our first show, he was kind of talking about that. He would had, it's very recent. He had done it. I feel like after well, that show, it was before he did it before our show. Obviously. Well, right. I feel like he was <laughs> so right. about a year ago is when he did it. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think he had done it very recently oh, yes, when he was yes. on our show. <laughs> yes. So how did your body handle those temperature changes like did you need it like i can't remember if he had oxygen that he used or not like how did how did your body handle all of that yeah so because i am a nurse and so i was really interested in like what would the physiological changes be so i brought my own oxygen saturation probe with me um but they the the medics on the trip they do vitals checks every day um, so we did trend to see what our blood pressure, heart rate, um, oxygen levels were. So uh, starting out, you know, like my resting heart rate's anywhere from 68 to 74, blood pressure like 107 over 68, oxygen levels 98%. And as we went up, as you would expect, you know, my oxygen levels went down. Um, the thing that I did not anticipate was just how anxiety provoking it is to not be able to feel like you're getting a deep breath. It's like, you know, if you're running and you want to get that deep breath that fills the base of the lungs, but you just can't quite get a deep breath. Um, And so I would say when we hit about 15,000 feet is where I I really started feeling the effects. So um, headache, kind of nauseousness, a little bit of dizziness, um, loss of appetite. Uh, And so the afternoon that we got to that height and we did our kind of high hike, I really had to take a longer nap. Uh, when I woke up the next morning, I felt much better. But by that point, I think my oxygen levels were hanging out between 84 and 88%, um, which is you know quite a bit lower than you typically want them to be. Sure. I think what, what helped me was that we took so many days to ascend that as it would start to, as I would start to feel the effects of the elevation, I would have enough time to recover. But the, the night that we did summit, um, everyone was feeling pretty bedraggled and, uh, you know, you don't, you don't sleep well when your heart rate's in the one hundreds or one twenties and you're typically in the sixties and seventies. So mm-hmm. you just kind of get to the point where, you know, you're not sleeping well, you're not feeling great. You're not eating mm-hmm. well, but the peak is in sight. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of push through. Um, I think that 
yeah, the, the amount of symptoms that I had really surprised me because I had hiked, you know, four or five 14 in Colorado and had not had those profound symptoms. So it was so, a little bit um, uh, unsettling to say. Yeah. So we did 1400 mm-hmm. as our highest. I don't think we've talked about how actual the actual height of the summit yet. What do you mean? We haven't talked about it. Oh, okay. Okay. No, on air. Yeah. yeah. So what is the act? What is the actual elevation at the top of your summit? So it's uh, 19,000. I want to say 19,285, but I'd have to look. It's just over 19,000. I think Harrison um, looked it up and he said 19. I think it's 19,384. Okay. So close. Yeah. <laughs> And is there just like one spot that people, when you, people say they've summited, mm-hmm. is there one spot that people go to for that? There is. Okay. So there's, there's actually a false summit and a true summit. And so Stella point is uh, what they consider the, the false summit. Um, and so once you get to that point, that's where people typically take a rest. It's another 45 minutes up to Uhuru peak. And that's where they have like the, like the sign that everybody stands yeah. with. So yeah. that is the highest point. Um, and so that's where everybody goes. Um, they, they only let us have about 15 minutes at that altitude um, before mm-hmm. they, you know, said, take your pictures, look around. <laughs> we, we need go. to start coming back down. We can't just hang out up here right. uh, if you're not used to being at that elevation. So, but that is the point that everybody gets to, you know, the pictures that you see of Mount Everest, where you have like the line of people that are just waiting to, to summit, there yeah. are sections of the trail on Kilimanjaro that are exactly like that. As you look up, you can see the line of hikers with their brightly colored gear kind of snaking their way up the switchbacks. Um, I think that also surprised me. I wasn't expecting to see that many people um, hiking at the time that we went, but we picked a full moon hike. And so when mm. we started summit, it was 1130 p.m. So we started that night at 1130 uh, we got to summit about 8.40 in the morning. And so we hiked through the night, Whoa. got to see the sunrise come up, um, summited about 8.40. And then we descended down to the first camp by 11 a.m. What um, what kind of went, I mean, I know what went through my mind when I got to the top of the Scotts Bluff Monument. <laughs> it's not the same. <laughs> and looked out around. Or, or when we got to the top of Mount, whatever we were at, the Telegraph Pass. Yeah. Like, man, this is it's nice to rest, right? Okay. Yeah. So what went through your mind when you reached the summit? Well, I was thinking it was remind, and I'm sure this is not what it was like, because it's like when you go places like, I mean, we've been to Grand, the Grand Canyon and you get to the Grand Canyon, you're like, yep, looks just like the pictures. (laughs) I'm assuming your experience was a little bit different. I'm assuming your experience of the summit wasn't like, you know, you see these big landmarks. We've never been to France, but I feel like the Eiffel Tower is that way. You're like, yep, Mm -hmm. looks just like the picture. What was your experience like at the summit? Yeah, I mean, I cried. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a really emotional experience, I think, because we had, you know, kind of cohesed as a group. Uh, We all 12 summited together, which does not always happen. Um, Like sometimes people go ahead or not everybody finishes? Or what do you mean by that? Okay. Sometimes people fall behind. And so you have a one-to-one porter to hiker ratio for summit night um, because it's, you know, it's dark and it's steep and you're tired and um, there are no guardrails. So they have to make sure that nobody steps off the edge of the mountain. Um, So if somebody's falling back, the porter just stays with them. And a lot of times groups get spread out based on people's physical ability. Um, But our group really stayed well together. So we all summited together. And along the way, everybody had told like, you know, what was their personal reason for coming? 
Um, and I think because it had been such a long journey for me to get there, when we got to the top, like just the the realization that I had achieved something I set out to do so long ago, that all of us had done it together, um, just seeing the other people up there and everybody, you know, that made it like, so the tears just started streaming down my face. Um, and then you're just kind of giddy after that, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a lot of emotions of, um, you know, excitement and gratitude and disbelief. And then you realize that you have to come back down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's also that like, oh my gosh, it's morning. We've hiked all night and we have another six hours ahead of us mm-hmm. to get back to camp before we can really rest. Um, so it's just a, a whole mix of emotion. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the way down, like I have this workout. Oh, I have a question. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, what like what do you see wildlife? Yeah, that's a wise. great question. Great question. Yes. Yeah. So it was really uh, cool on the way there. We actually, as we were driving to the um, La Rossi Gate, which is where we started, we saw a zebra in the field. I guess you would call it uh, in the in the open land. So there was a zebra out grazing. So we got to see wild zebra and then as we were hiking through the rainforest we saw colobus monkeys um we saw like large ravens um and then we saw some chameleons as you get higher though there was no wildlife like as we kept going like we saw you know a snake we saw some ants um (laughs) just typical things but it was in the lower areas where on the way up we saw the colobus monkeys and on the way out we saw blue monkeys um so that was really cool to be able to see um, things that you only see in the zoo, uh, mm-hmm. out on the hike. Yeah. yeah. I know when we went to Alaska, we were in this bus and there, we were driving up to, into the Yukon territory and there was a bear it like Ooh. on the side of the road. And mm-hmm. I swear these people in this bus, <laughs> like acted like the driver's like just slammed on the brakes. <laughs> There's a bear on the side of the road and everybody just piled onto one side <laughs> like of the bus. Like we've never seen like, a bear. Yes, like, like nobody's ever seen a bear in their entire <laughs> life. But it was like... It was a bear and two cubs. Wild. I don't know if you remember that. No, there because was... I wasn't a crazy person that lunged across the bus to see a bear. In a in a bus. That's It's totally... You know, we were in a bus. It's not like we were we hiking. We thought the bus was going to tip over because everybody just <laughs> flocked to one side. It was like, oh, we see a bear in the wild. I mean, it was yeah. like... So I, I was just... But that was not the same. But did you have a moment where you were like, okay, nothing else lives here. Should I be here right now? That's I think that's how I would be feeling. Uh, You know, we did ask what would we encounter. And they reassured us that we were in a very safe part of the park, that there were not uh, predatory animals where we were at. Yeah, I think I would be more worried if you were going to encounter stuff. But like you see you know, when you look at mountains and stuff, you see all those, the crazy like goats and stuff. Yeah, the mountain goats right. that are up there that and love they just, the cold. Yeah, but then you're somewhere that not even those animals <laughs> live. So I feel like it'd be a mixed emotions. But yeah, I wouldn't really want to be having to worry about animals either. That would be another level of like anxiety <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty, yeah, crazy to think you're you're where no animal wants to live. Yeah, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah. So was there ever that point where you're like, why am I doing this right now? Like, <laughs> was there ever a moment where you're like, is this worth it? Like, did you have a moment where you're like, you know, doubt, fear, anxiety? Yes, like, do I want to do this? Should I stop? Like any, any yeah. moment where you wanted to just give up and quit? 
there there was one night and it was the night before we were going to have summit night and so interestingly on our group we was myself and then we had another uh woman who was a flight nurse and then another woman who's an anesthesiologist and so we know enough about you know how the body works to start to have real concern when you're having all the symptoms and so you know i think there was a night and my fear wasn't necessarily that I wasn't going to summit. It was like, I don't want to be the person that falls out and dies on the side of this mountain. Mm -hmm. And so when your oxygen level, the lowest mine hit was 78%, which is pretty low. Um, My heart rate was in the 120s and my blood pressure was elevated. And, you know, like I couldn't hear well and I was nauseous and I had brought medication to kind of combat all of those symptoms. But there was that moment and I, you know, myself and another woman, we sat in the tent and you know, we kind of just talked through it and, you know, where are you really at? And I, you know, was pretty emotional. I was like, I don't want to have to be helicoptered off this mountain. Like, Mm -hmm. should I keep going? Mm -hmm. Um, And so we did a pretty thorough assessment and like went through like all the reasons I was doing it, like physiologically, how are you, you know, reacting? Um, And we had kind of decided that if I, when I took the, I took a dose of stress steroids, some Zofran, ibuprofen, Tylenol, the Diamox, and then I laid down to rest for three hours. And when I woke up, if I wasn't feeling better, I was not going to go higher. And so that was really the point where I was like, I don't want to become the liability for the group. Mm -hmm. Um, But thankfully, uh, I did feel better when I woke up. I was able to eat some soup. All the medications helped. Uh, And then I actually got another few hours of sleep before we had to leave for summit. But, you know, there is that moment of once you get that high, there's not a whole lot you can do if you don't feel well. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's so, Yeah. If it doesn't get better, it's probably right. going to get worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and the only way to combat altitude, true altitude sickness, cerebral edema and pulmonary edema is to descend. Mm-hmm. And we had seen the helicopter come and go twice mm-hmm. that day. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's a lot to kind of process through and um, really commit to say, okay, I'm physically capable of doing this, or I really need to turn around. And you have that, you know, warring competition of I'm so close to summit. Yeah. I've spent so much money and right. so much time and so much effort. And so really having to be pretty honest with yourself and your team about what you should do. So there was definitely that moment for, for me and, and a couple other people on our track. So then on the descend, was mm-hmm. it like a relief were you expecting it to be like, you know, you're going to feel better as you go? Mm-hmm. Is that what actually happened? Like, how does that feel? Because I feel like that'd be something yeah. you'd be looking forward to. But if that's not actually what happened, I think that'd be very mentally difficult too. Yeah. So you do expect to feel better as you come down and you're starting to re, re um, get back to higher oxygen, oxygenated environment. But I, I underestimated the toll that going down so fast would take mm. on my body. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when you go up, you know, you have some switchbacks. It's a pretty rocky trail, but the backside down is essentially skiing in dirt for three hours. So it's like loose rock, deep dirt, and you're kind of like digging your heels in and sliding down. And so your legs are already tired from hiking, you know, 10 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're trying to descend quickly. They call it a rapid descent because you need to get down. Um, and so there was a point where we, when we got back to our first camp and we thought we were going to be able to lay down and rest, um, but we heard that bad weather was coming in. And so we had 15 minutes to pack up our things, 15 minutes to have a hot lunch. And then we had to hike down another 
three and a half to four hours to get to the lower camp so we could miss the storms. And so at that point, I think everybody was just like, how are we going to go any further? Like the minute we would stop walking, our legs would shake and your knees were aching. And so I think that's where the mental fortitude came in is like, okay, the only way to get down is to keep going. Like you, you have to keep going. Well, that's yeah. why that Pike's Peak intrigues me because. Oh, you. So during the break, Jeff has changed the plan of our 25th wedding anniversary <laughs> trip. It was supposed to be the Smoky Mountains, but now he wants to go to Pike's Peak. Yeah, I'm almost thinking maybe that would be cool because if I can ride down. <laughs> it's a saga of where we're going to go. If I can so. ride down yeah. from the peak in a tram, <laughs> that would be great. That's like. We that will be. be pretty... I will be stepping in to do some research about this yeah. one. So, okay. but so definitely you, do some research. Yeah. <laughs> You may have inspired. It's not until us. June, so it's not like we're going next week. But we have like yeah. five months. I this. will be doing research. So we might look into that. You might have inspired <laughs> us to go do that. You're so <laughs> impressionable. I am impressionable. I know. We do have a text, okay. and we're going to take a break from Crowbait. This is kind of funny. He says, <laughs> "I climbed a hill to go sledding with my niece and nephew last weekend and almost died. <laughs> I couldn't imagine doing what she does." So, shout out to you, Angie from Crowbait, on the text line. Um, yeah. That's awesome. They are super impressed. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, sledding's no joke, right? No. You're, that's why I think that's one of the reasons we never really took our kids sledding because it's like, oh, it's a lot yeah, of work. The way down, so fun. But then getting up there, so it's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. All, All right. right. Let's go. One so, we're going to take a break. We'll finish up with Angie here uh, on 93.7 The Tickets <laughs> on Fitness Fanatics. 